When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that, much like 90s icon, the Energizer Bunny, just keeps on going and going, even though you may not have asked for it. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of mazeandbrew.com, and my hetero life mate. Andy, you simmering stew of both craft beer and enthusiasm. How are you, brother? Man, I am great. One of my favorite times of the year. <clears throat> Excuse me, football is back. Hope is back. Promise is back. I just can't get enough of it right now, and I'm just headfirst in this. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm trying to spend time with my father over the weekend. You're breaking down Julius Welshoff's three-gap technique, and I'm like, bro. <laughs> like, look at his hands. Look where they are. <laughs> like, I'll get to this. <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, – one of the. I think I'm just re- more excited this year than normal because last year we didn't have this. Like we were uncertain if we were ever going to have it. And when we did, it was just kind of half-assed. So this year it feels good to have everything really back to normal. That's a very good point. We didn't even get the preseason hope because we didn't know if there was going to be a season. And so we didn't even really dive too much into breaking down the team because we were like, well, what's the point? I don't want to get all excited if we don't even come out and play. We feel pretty confident that we are going to play what – hopefully is an entire season. So I do understand like it is more normalcy in like the preparation. So, Mm. I mean, it is nice to actually look at some of this with the the knowledge that there's games on the way. It feels much better than last year because it's just, it it feels kind of concrete. Like the fact that I just don't see Michigan being like, well, no fans right now after season tickets have been selling and everything else. I feel like it'd be really hard to back out, take that revenue hit and, I don't know. I'm just, I really think this is going to be like a, a full season. I think we're going to get through it. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And I mean, we're not a COVID <clears throat> podcast and we're not virologists or anything like that, but with more places kind of making the vaccine mandatory, trying to get to that 70% threshold, which they say is what we need to have completely packed stands at the big house. I mean, there's, there's some reason for optimism that we can get <clears throat> to that point. Cause that's what I want, man. I mean, I, that's one of our biggest advantages at Michigan is the big house. So need to be able to use that. I'm so thirsty for Michigan football. <clears throat> you could put me there with 10, people that have COVID currently. And I'm still going to go to that game. <laughs> like I've had, I've had everything taken away from me. I've done my part. I want my football back. I will wear a hazmat. So I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to the games. Okay. That's just how it's going to be this season. Yeah, you could put me in a spacesuit and hook me up to oxygen. Just get me there. And like, I'll, put, I'll go see Northern Illinois like that. You could put me in a man thong and nothing else, and I'm still going. <laughs> a man thong inside of an iron lung. I'm there against Washington. I'm still going. I'll just, all I have to do is take my pants off, and I'm fine. So let's yeah. do this. <laughs> Any excuse for that. We know how to do <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's touch on some news before we get into what is part two of our season preview, following up from last week. Uh, but some some minor news. Well, not necessarily minor, not for him. Shonday Brown has signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. 
going to go to a team that likely is the favorites in the Western Conference. And this dude just seems like everybody on Michigan loves him. Like every single thing you see on social media couldn't be happier for Sean Day Brown. Uh, so it looks like he's not just a fan favorite, but a team favorite. So super excited, happy for him. I was going to say everybody should love Sean Day Brown. How do you feel about him? I mean, obviously, I'm a human with a pulse and a heart, so I love him dearly <laughs> like a brother. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm the exact same way. I'm glad to see this is a universal thing. And the fact that he's going to get his shot in the NBA, probably be a two-way contract, see him in the G League, you know, get some time under his belt. But he can make an impact defensively. And the way this, like, LeBron kind of rotates his supporting cast, if you're not getting your job done, Shawnee does things that complements his game. Like, stand over here, do nothing, and shoot the ball when I give it to you. <laughs> Play competent defense, stand on the corner, and while Anthony Davis and I wreak havoc in the paint and Russell Westbrook is driving in, be available. Yeah, to, yeah, to stay, make, yeah, yeah, be awake. Okay, can you do that? Can you be awake? So there is potential for him to do something like that. But anyway, he got signed. That's all that matters, and you like seeing good things happen to good people. Absolutely, and although I've never met him once in my life, I just assume he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we have some... Early NFL news, um, there was already a preseason game, so we're going to have football moving forward until February, but uh, some Michigan standouts already from practice. You had me guess them uh, off air there. I missed two of them, um, but yeah, run us through who's been standing out thus far. So the three standouts that kind of universally in major papers covering each team has pointed out today, I, I think as a part of USA Today ran this, it was Chris Evans with the Bengals, which we love to see. This is a very pro Chris Evans podcast. Absolutely. Josh Uche with the Patriots, finally healthy. They say he is just a menace playing in one-on-ones, and he is just so fast off the line of scrimmage. Both things we could have told you. And lastly, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Honestly, the DPJ emergence, his nickname has been Mr. Reliable from Kevin Stefanski, could like kind of facilitate OBJ being moved for some pieces. Because if you have two dynamic receivers already, you need some help somewhere else. It kind of makes what he does a little more expendable and cap friendly. Yes, absolutely. You saw some glimpses with him last year, uh, had some big plays, pretty sure handed. A lot of what we saw at Michigan, just in smaller spurts. Um, he's got some return duty for them as a punt returner. Looks solid. And I absolutely agree with you. If I were them, I'd be looking to move DPJ or excuse me, uh, OBJ and, and move on with uh, both Donovan Peoples-Jones and uh, the rookie wideout that they took this year. Um, and Jarvis Chris, Landry. Uh, and Jarvis Landry, of course. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and with Chris Evans, um, that was one that makes a ton of sense with Joe Mixon moving on. They don't really have somebody that can catch the ball out of the backfield, something that we knew he could do very well at Michigan. You didn't see a ton of. And that's and the fact that you're saying they're seeing him as more like an every down back kind of guy, too, is is amazing. So we're going to see a lot of him this year, I imagine. He's going to get a bunch of touches in this offense, man. I can't wait to see it. And we were screaming it. We got it in dose, like short doses as well <clears throat> at Michigan where he would come out of the backfield, run slants, lined up as a wide receiver. And it's crazy to think that just a few years ago he was out of football completely delivering pizzas to now maybe the starting running back yeah. for Cincinnati, or at least, you know, part of a two headed attack there. Yeah. And uh, Uche, man, I do not like the Patriots. I'm a Brady guy and I love all my Michigan guys, but how can I not tune into the Patriots now with Anwenu, Winovich and Uche being like major, major contributors on this team? Like I have to watch now. 
I love that you left off a kicker we're not going to recognize anymore on this podcast. Wait till the bright lights shine on him. Yeah, I heard <laughs> he's hit everything and whatever. Yeah, wait till the lights shine on him. We'll see. <laughs> Do your effing job. Um, yeah, this is awesome to see for Uche, and I just dream about the NASCAR package. They can run of pass rushers now featuring Winovich, Uche, and whomever else. Like, it is going to be so much fun to watch that defense wreak havoc. And like you, I'm not a Patriots guy, but if they're on TV, I don't think I'm going to miss it now. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I will be there. And it is fortunate for those guys that they all get to play together. And Winovich and Uche, who were on the same line at, at Michigan, that's that's really awesome. I'm, yep. I'm all about it. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, one more basketball thought before we go all the way into football. 2022 four-star power forward slash center. Uh, Terrace Reed committed to Michigan. He's a top 100 prospect, 6'10". Uh, Looks like, I mean, just another long, a guy in the long line of really good recruits coming to play for Jawan Howard, starting to become maybe a destination for big men. You know, come play for the former Michigan big man and Hunter Dickinson. You saw what he was able to do. So maybe something brewing there. And yeah, it just keeps on rolling at Michigan for basketball recruiting. Jawan Howard can do no wrong. He will not be criticized ever, ever. And this is fantastic to see. He's been knocking recruiting out of the park since he got to Michigan. The way he carries himself as interviews, supporting his players in the little videos he's been releasing, like in the NBA Summer League games, just watching and cheering them on. How could you not want to play for this guy? He's like a dad and best friend wrapped up into one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I try to take myself out of it and being a Michigan fan, but just watching it and seeing how he interacts, I agree with you. Like, that has to be... And he's played with LeBron. He's played with Dwayne Wade. Yeah. You know, his kids are playing currently. Like, I mean, he's the ties to the program. He's got it all. I mean, he checks every box. And, yeah, I think Michigan's going to keep rolling in this uh, this new center. He's no Musa Diabate, who looks like Kevin Garnett reincarnate in some of the videos. <laughs> looks absolutely absurd. But he's a, he's a very talented player. And, yeah, and they're just bringing him in one after another. It's it's a great time to be a Michigan basketball fan. Just having that in the back burner, it's like it's kind of comforting you. You know, just waiting in case bad times happen. It's like just, just go watch some basketball hype videos. Feel better. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, preseason top twenty-five came out. Any thoughts on that? I know we both think preseason polls are kind of dumb. <laughs> preseason polls are dumb, but yes, as not an expert, I do have thoughts. Um, let's 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 dive in. One Alabama, I don't think should be number one. Oklahoma's really good. Ohio State's overranked at four. Do, do, do. Iowa State's going to regress. Cincinnati will regress. Indiana will regress. Yeah, Penn State Indiana at 20. 17. Penn State at 20. What? Penn State at I, – I don't know what to make of Penn State. We're not to there yet as far as breaking down that team. But I do think Indiana at 17, based off of what happened last year, shouldn't really base much off of last year. No, Texas at 19 – uh, Louisiana at 23 and Michigan comes in on the coaches poll at 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33 behind teams like Brigham Young, Liberty, Northwestern and Coastal Carolina. I mean, bulletin board material right there. We will also play six of the top 27 teams this year. So once again, Michigan uh, among the most difficult schedules in the country. Just get used to it now, I think. Liberty. They have that great quarterback and whoever, like who else? Some guy that's going to be like Secretary of Foreign Affairs one day. Ooh, <laughs> I'm scared of that. Yeah. I really don't think if you lined Liberty up against Michigan, it's going to look like they're like similarly ranked teams. But that's just me. <laughs> just thinking out loud here. I'm just thinking out loud on the podcast here. So, <laughs> yeah, this will change almost immediately. It'll probably change before the season starts, but. 
that just just worth noting that we do once again play a really difficult schedule according to uh to the coaches poll yeah it's the preseason poll shouldn't come out till after week four get you know get some of the season in you but it's always fun to see what happens because michigan's been overranked before underranked before so it's kind of fun to be in the underranked position yeah i mean no one's talking about us like we're gonna do anything so no preseason hype to speak of no but penn state with their third oc in three years and coming off of what one in six seasons like number 20 yeah a one in six season yeah i don't get it it just doesn't make any sense i feel like i'm taking crazy pills but i think it was one i only had one win and it was us in a close game so congratulations gross we don't (laughs) we don't talk of last year unless we have to no it was an aberrate we'll get into that later yeah absolutely uh there are some fall camp videos coming out though uh summer camp i guess technically but the videos, the hype train now finally rolling a little bit, a little bit more access this year than some years past. Sometimes we don't get any hype videos. Like, I don't think we saw anything last year. No, we're, think... they're too busy crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were too busy assuming that we weren't going to play. And the year before, I don't think we saw much. But it's nice. You see a couple videos, some snippets. The snippet that got you the most hype thus far in some of the early releases. And there's a couple. Okay. Uh, in the one just short video of 25 days, Hassan Haskins trucking over a linebacker against Penn State last year was just, oh God, it felt good to relive that. In the camp videos themselves, a couple come to mind. One is Ronnie Bell just taking a ball away from Dax Hill on a complete 50 50 ball. Yep. AJ Hennings one handed catch on an overthrown ball from McCarthy. Oof. And anytime there's contact like people hitting each other just injected into me but my favorite's probably ronnie bell just taking one away from dax yeah i'm not even gonna go any further i think you nailed all the big ones there but seeing ronnie bell go up over our best cover guy who's all a six foot and i mean could body you on defense and seeing him take that away makes me think he might be in for a big year this year i mean he's been there i mean he's a senior he's a just a veteran guy there senior now i believe he's got to be a senior now he's a senior now and i mean still has a year of eligibility still has a year of eligibility and i believe he's been our leading receiver the last two seasons because he actually had more yards than nico in 19 crazy enough i would i would probably bet on that again yeah it's just every time you watch highlights ronnie bell is so underappreciated in this offense because of that one drop against penn state but he is always almost always reliable he's really like quick in and out of his cuts and he's not like a he's not like a burner but he's just really good at getting open like his separation is amazing yeah and then the aj henning catch is jordan lewis-esque except he tips it to himself it's what he does he had that crazy catch last year i forget who it was against it might have been penn state maybe but he had a great catch in that game. Just like uh, McCarthy kind of threw one up. He went up somehow and skied the ball and pulled it down like that. So the kid has a knack for the amazing, I guess. And then you're hearing Roman Wilson is the fastest guy. You know what you've seen a little bit of what AJ Henning brings. Cornelius Johnson's not going anywhere. Sainra still's listed as the starter in the slot. Like there's a lot of mouths to feed. There's a lot, but there's a lot of options out here. It's like pick your poison with how many weapons there are. I don't, this is not the most top heavy receiving core, but it could be the deepest. It, yeah, it's deep, but there's no Nico Collins at the top. So there isn't, and, no. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, you had one preseason poll you wanted to discuss before we got into the first opponent. Yes, after our last podcast, I put up a poll in the article post to vote for what your thought was going to happen through the first three games. And the options are 0 and 3, 1 and 2. Two and one, three and zero, oh. 
And overwhelmingly, 3-0 and was number one at 60% of the vote. And I don't know the exact number, but second place was 2-1. and So it's kind of nice to see the optimism come through in the voting. So with that 3-0 and in mind, we're going to ride with the fans. I'll have an updated poll based off that 3-0 and for the next one. So we'll just continue to see how everybody thinks the season's going to turn out. Yeah, I like it because if you go by the comments, it does not seem like there's a lot of optimism in the fan base. It, yeah, comments, anything like that. It's just people being ignorant. Just listen to yourself. Believe what you want to believe. If you want to be happy and optimistic about Michigan football like me, go ahead. If you just want to be negative and actively root for your team to suck just so you have the vindication of being right, then, you know, enjoy hell. Yeah, just <laughs> go hang out in the comments section with the yeah, rest of the trolls. Go ahead. Like, come on. It's worth, like, this is August. Everybody should be optimistic. Yeah, at least a little bit. You don't yeah. have to be optimistic for undefeated, but like, come on, guys. This isn't going to be as bad as last year. There's just there's no possible way. In every aspect of life, this year is not as bad as last year. Remember yeah, that. Exactly. I mean, maybe not for everyone, but certainly for the majority of people. Vast majority, please. Come on. The vast majority of people. Uh, before we get into the first opponent on the next part of our season breakdown, got to take a moment to talk about our sponsors over at Home Field Apparel out of Indianapolis incredibly comfortable, affordable sportswear brand with the best selection of college apparel in the game that I've seen right now, football, basketball, old school or new school. You can go old with it, which I like to do because I am old, but you're probably a Michigan fan like me. So the, they've got you covered on new or old, whatever you want to see. Licensed apparel company got you covered and you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, so last week we started season one, part one, or excuse me, part one of season breakdown. Getting through the first three games, the fourth game of the season is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights coming to Ann Arbor after what was without a doubt the greatest circus tent fire of our time last year. Rewatching that game this past weekend, it was just comical, like laughing at times, down 17 nothing to start, Joe, Nil- Joe Milton in an anemic offense, Quinn Nordeen cussing out players for like a bad snap and timing after he'd already missed a field goal. <laughs> like, he missed two. Yeah, he missed, that was the second miss, but he's just not counting his first one because as he walked off, said, do your effing job and screamed at the team. And it kind of just stood out to you that this team didn't have any team leaders after injuries. Like that's, I guess what made Cade Mack so fresh stepping into the fold. Yeah. If you remember, that was the game where Joe Milton, we had just kind of seen enough. You go down 17, nothing. They're looking for a spark. They put in Cade Mack hits a bomb to Cornelius Johnson early on in his tenure there. And we're off and rolling, at least on offense, uh, the defense. Oh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that as a whole when we talk about the team at the end of this pod, but Rutgers this year um, under Chris Ash, the return of Chris Ash, um, or excuse me, um, Shiano, Shiano, yep. yeah, the return of Greg Shiano, not Chris, Chris Ash. <laughs> we wish definitely Chris Ash has was them there. Back, yeah, <laughs> definitely has them uh, back to where they were at their heights, which is competent. I mean, it, they the team scored more points in nine games in 2020 than they had since 2015, and they they did nine games last year, 12 games every other year. So that shows you the improvement. In that offense, 339 yards per game, 27 points per game, and all 11 starters coming back on offense. Their offense went from 129th out of 130 to 78th out of 30th. They averaged 13 points a game in 2019. Atrocious. I mean, and that's a huge, huge step for them. We'll see if that actually is like a real 
improvement or if, I mean everything last year's grain of salt the thing is Rutgers won't suck the floor of the Big Ten has risen Noah uh, Vedral Vedral their quarterbacks is, uh, is not a stud he's solid Pacheco Aaron Crookshanks Isaiah Washington they have weapons on this offense and they're going to be competent like you said like it's Greg Schiano is a good college coach and they're going to have them you know probably middling around four to six wins depending on how it is but there's they're not just the automatic easy out as it used to be. No, no, definitely not. And Vedral and Bo Milton and Aaron Crookshanks, which is a Harry Potter ass name if I've ever heard one, uh, they they actually did quite a bit of damage against that secondary last year. But everybody did damage against that secondary. So their offense, while is is greatly improved, happy gift to there. But on defense, I don't know. Allowed 449 yards and 32 points per game. Uh, Dwumfor is gone, and he was one of their best guys. They're relying on transfers on the D-line. Uh, sneaky good uh, linebacker core. And uh, secondary, I, I wouldn't really worry too much about their secondary. So while the offense should be good, Michigan should be able to score on them relatively easily. Yeah, their scoring defense improved from, a, what was it, 82nd in 2000, or sorry, 123rd in 2019 to 82nd. Keep in mind, Michigan's was 95th. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> uh, their linebackers, their strength. Uh, always mess up his name. Fada Kasi and Tyshawn Fogg are probably their two best players. Their nose tackles undersized. They're going to play with a lot of speed because they don't have all the size to match yet. Secondary, not too much to worry about. So if you can mitigate some of the linebacker, you know, things they're going to do with those positions. Because Shiano is a defensive guy and creative. That mm-hmm. can help them. But this is still Michigan win by a few touchdowns. I would have to think so. I think last year was a bit of an aberration, just the entire season, but the Rutgers game in particular is one of the weirdest games you'll ever watch. I mean, you're up by eight with fourth and goal with like no time left on the clock and somehow it goes to triple overtime. Like it's it's just bizarre. And they are improving, but this should be absolutely what do you, so what do you got the uh what do you got the spread on this at? It's uh in Ann Arbor. In Ann Arbor, Michigan. Michigan by 19 and a half. Ooh, 19 and a half. I'll go a little lower. I'll go Michigan 17. It's going to be fun to watch how these spreads and everything shift throughout the season, too. Like, we're going to learn so much in so many games. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, if Michigan comes out looking rough and Rutgers is, you know, a world beater, then then who knows? But, yeah, I think it'll be something like that. I mean, that's a pretty big spread, but this is Rutgers. And if Michigan is, you know, if they're improved on offense like we think they're going to be, that sounds about right to me. And this is a big jump up for Rutgers, too, because they open the season with Temple. Then they go at Syracuse, home for Delaware, and then on the road at Michigan, and then home for Ohio State back-to-back. Man, that is a cupcake opening. We haven't had a cupcake opening like that in a long time. 16 would be the last one, Hawaii. Yeah, but I mean, that's several in a row. Yeah, Yeah, they get those first few to just ease into the schedule. So when they come to Michigan, it's going to be a big shift in competition, a big step up. Absolutely, but good chance for them to reach bowl eligibility with that opening to your schedule. Yeah, this is great for the Big Ten, man. I love this. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Andy is going to do his best to convince me that I should be optimistic going into this season. We'll be back right after this. Okay, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are doing part two of our season breakdown, just wrapped up with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, should be pushovers. But things get a little bit more interesting after that, without a doubt, the biggest test of the year, even in Washington included, 
comes when we go to Wisconsin at Camp Randall after a disaster game last year. And who knows if this will be at night. I don't think we know yet. I don't think we know yet. I would doubt it coming after their Notre Dame game. Too early. Yeah. 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 And they're, they're, they're coming right off of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. So um, this will be difficult for them as well. This is one that everyone's going to have circled. This is exciting. Michigan has always struggled in Camp Randall. Historically, 17 and 19 in the hardball era. 17 was rough. The Brandon Peters injury game. 19 was when Jonathan Taylor just ran wild in the early part of the season in that one and got out of hand too fast, kind of like 2020. But this is Wisconsin. You know what they're going to bring to the table. They have a competent quarterback this year, a little better than most years, not quite as good a running back. And Jim Leonard's defense is going to be great. Really good. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the biggest concern here. Last year, don't take too much into I mean, it was a disaster game, but I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, it was bad from the start with turnovers and miscommunications and bad play calling in that game. And uh, it, it was bad. I mean, it was 28 nothing at the half. Worst and Michigan game of the hardball era. It was. It was probably, well, I don't know. The, the worst loss is the Michigan State loss, but that was the worst performance. Yeah. Yeah. Complete, just utter breakdown at all levels. Yeah, so uh, I don't want to go too much into that, but yeah, they're going to be good again this year, especially on defense. But I'm I'm concerned that their O line, which they considered not one of their best O lines last year, was really pushing our defensive line around. They bring back three guys in that offensive line, along with the best quarterback since Russell Wilson to wear a Wisconsin jersey and Graham Mertz. So reasons that you should be frightened are are those but like you said there is no jonathan taylor and that that has gotta be at least a little bit of a comfort especially those guys on defense it helps a lot they also have danny davis and kendrick Pryor on the outside danny davis killed michigan last year with end around after end around but like i said before this is you know wisconsin is going to run they want to try to establish the run they're going to run a bunch of jet sweeps and they're going to work off play action the biggest fault in last year's game is we could never get Wisconsin off schedule. Everything was three, five-step, seven-step drop. It was all perfect. All how it had to be was like a seven-on-seven drill because our pass rush was completely non-existent in this game. Our defensive line got demolished in this. It was bad. Both sides of the line, this is the worst. I mean, pick a side of the line that was worse. Um, I mean, it, it was probably the defensive line. But I mean, at this point, I mean, we have Jess Spade in there. We're running out Luigi Villain. It's it's a mess out there. We're trying to find guys. Hutchinson's out. Pay goes out. There's just no bodies, and you can't generate any pass rush. And against this Wisconsin offensive, I mean, look how it was when we had Gary Charlton and Wormley. It's still tough to get in on these guys. I do think, and we talked a little bit about this off air, that the switch to the four three under the three four, however you want to look at it that with our personnel is going to really help in this game, especially with those jet sweeps. I do not see that being as big of a problem when you got guys on the outside, like whether it be Upshaw on one side or Ojabo on the other, or maybe it's Barrett's tracking those guys down, but we're going to have more linebackers on the field and more speed guys lined up a little bit wider that are able to take away those angles. So I'm not as worried about the jet jet sweeps, which you should never be worried about jet sweeps killing you. No, and and to the point of the new defense as well, it's going to be more malleable. Like like when Mike McDonald spoke in the preseason, he said, we're not going to run the same defense against Western as we are Washington. They're going to change it up based on opponent. So to that point, we're not going to play our safeties 20 yards off the line. They can play coaster to the line of scrimmage and make those plays with the speed that they have instead of playing way out of position and then trying to run up and make a play like that. 
So they're going to be enabled to make more plays against this team. And I, I think it's just going to go, it, it's going to go so much better than last year. I'm not saying yeah. the team's going to win, but it's going to look competent, which I'm excited about. I think this is going to be a good team to play downhill against. And we know that's what McDonald wants to do. First of all, because Graham Mertz just hasn't really faced a ton of real pressure. I mean, last year was just such a, there's no, there's no fans. I mean, they didn't really face anybody that was super competent and had like a full, they did play Ohio state last year, but I mean, just the, the truncated season, I don't take any of that for granted, but put this guy with some fans in the stands, a little adversity, come downhill against him in that running game, come downhill against those jet sweeps, make Graham Mertz beat you and let's see what he's actually got. And, you know, that pressure will, will help our secondary in this, like you were saying. So you know, hundred percent agree. It's going better than last year. We'll see what, what actually happens, but it's going to be better. The thing is if Michigan can come into this game and dominate the trenches on both sides, then I'm going to be just unstoppably optimistic for like what's going to happen. I, I don't believe that's going to happen either way. I don't think either side's going to be dominant, but this is where Michigan can really make a statement in the season is how are you going to handle this offensive line and this defense, especially linebackers like Jack Sanborn. Wisconsin has Big Ten title aspirations. They're a very good team. So this is like the biggest middle season test for them. So each each kind of quarter of the season has that test. So you have Washington at first. Now you got Wisconsin. This is the big test of the year, in my opinion. Hardest game until you get to Ohio State. Absolutely. And with Harbaugh's record on the road at Camp Randall, but also Harbaugh's record coming off of a defeat against Wisconsin and Penn State. So something's got to give there. Um, Wisconsin, a little bit tougher schedule, but they get Penn State, Michigan, and Iowa at, at home. And, I mean, of the three stadiums to miss, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. That, I mean, dodge. Happy Valley, the big house, and then Kinnick. <laughs> they dodge all of those. The fun game is going to be they get Notre Dame the week before in Chicago, I believe, at Soldier Field. Yes, that is correct. That'll be That'll be one that we will for sure be watching as Michigan fans to see what we're up against. And Notre Dame's kind of the program that I think we should compare ourselves to. And, you know, they, they're actually on a bit of a tear right now, and they've got a lot of talent on that football team. But they're starting Jack Cohn at quarterback. So Jack Cohn versus former team and Graham Mertz. Revenge we'll game, baby. Revenge, revenge game. The revenge of Cohn. <laughs> this, this is going to be fun, man. What's your spread? Uh, my spread on this one being is that it's in Camp Randall. I think they're going to be a top 10 defense easy, maybe like tops. Statistically, they're going to be a really like a really good defense because they don't go against any super explosive offenses. Uh, so I think that this is going to be a low um, over under. And I think it's going to be Wisconsin by about by about six, five and a half. And I was going to say I was going to say eight. Okay, but I yep. bet it'll come down because Michigan fans, they know how to bet. So it'll start at like something big like that. I think it comes down into the four, five to three and a half range. Oh, yeah. And we're saying Michigan's coming into this game 4 0 as well. So this could be a very big game for like with like national implications. All right. So we'll say Michigan 5.5 to 8. Or yep. excuse me, Michigan plus 5.5 in that one. All right. After that. Uh, things get a little bit easier, but once again, we stay on the road. We go to Nebraska. Uh, Scott Frost embattled. I don't really use that word very often, but he certainly is that. The hometown hero not had the kind of run that Jim Harbaugh has had. So if you want to look uh, you know, at the, gr the grass is always greener, um, you look at Nebraska because, I mean, things are, things are rough there, and this might be a make, it, make or break year for Scott Frost. 
and I think it's going to be a break year looking at their roster. <laughs> this can't catch a break, and it's so funny how many Michigan fans, ourselves included, were such big Scott Frost guys, and he gets to go back to the place he wants to be in all places and just been terrible the last game we attended together was 2018 nebraska at the big house and lovely it didn't go well for them (laughs) no no it did not and things haven't really improved Uh, i know a couple nebraska fans and i ask them and most of them do think the team is improving but not enough that it's going to make any sort of difference like look at the minnesota improvement you know you just haven't seen anything even close to that or no reason to think that it's coming You have a talented quarterback. You get some transfers coming in, the talented running back from USC. I think it's Marquis Step. But once again, for like the third straight year, you lose your top receiver and you got to rely on transfers and young guys. Uh, Adrian Martinez is back for what I believe is his 17th year. So he's still somehow their quarterback. And he'll be solid, uh, but is the offensive line improved enough to really get the most out of him? Does he have skill position guys that are going to help him out? It remains to be seen. I am pessimistic. <laughs> this is, I am very pessimistic as well because everything you read and hear, it kind of seems like Martinez is the draw that stirs the drink there. And this is only Michigan's second ever trip to Nebraska. The only, the other one was in 2012 when Michigan lost 23 to nine with Brady Hoke. So it's kind of cool to go back here and just renew this old blue blood rivalry between old big 12 and big 10. So that's a lot of fun, but this game is not going to be close. I I don't see it. Um, If you want to look for reasons why it might be close, Martinez is, he brings something that we don't really see a lot of in our schedule ran for 521 yards last year in a truncated season and completed 71% of his passes. They have really good tight ends, a pair of them. So that's unique. That's like kind of a, a wrinkle on offense that we don't see a lot of and classic trap game and nebraska no matter how bad they are their fans are loyal there's nothing else to do in nebraska they're gonna be there <laughs> it's like they close down the mills and the farms you know they take a half day there and they attend, attend the old ball game so yeah you're right they're gonna have a crowd it's a great stadium great atmosphere so it'll be a lot of fun to watch this could be a game where michigan kind of seems hung over for a quarter or two but i think eventually just consistently pounding the ball you're gonna wear down this smaller team Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you saw their alternate uniforms that they just released that are an abomination to God. Uh, They are the overalls. You need to Google it real quick. They essentially look like the big boy logo, like the mascot for the big boy food chain. It is an egregious uniform. I hope this is the game that they pull them out for. Nobody's going to want to be seen in those. That is so embarrassing. It's bad. You know, just feel feel bad bad. for players on a personal level. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel bad for whoever does like design that because he's surely getting fired. You can't keep somebody like that on staff. That is, yeah, listeners, do yourself a favor. Please Google Nebraska alternate uniforms and have a laugh. Yeah, and I mean, if someone out there likes them, I assume you're 71 years old and are actually on a farm. And you're like, oh yeah, there it is, right there. And if that is you, respect for you working on a farm, you can have that opinion. But you know, as yeah, I respect farmers, but I do not want it on my football. Yeah, I don't want farmers, you know, planning Fashion Week, and I also don't want people designing Gucci flip flops to work on a farm. So stay, 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 stay yeah, in your lane, want- guys. 
I don't want Reggie Bush in charge of this year's harvest. So it goes both <laughs> ways. That's all we want here. So I hope they bring out these atrocious, abominable alternate uniforms. And I'd love to see the maze pants on the road. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I do hope we get some cool uniform combinations for uh, for Michigan this year. Uh, Nebraska's defense, anything worth mentioning? They should be slightly improved, but they just haven't been good yet. And Scott Frost, who's an offensive guy, like his defense has shown more growth than his offense. Yeah, they're the famed black shirts on defense. You get more results for Mussolini's death squads in the 20s now than you do their defense. It's a deep cut reference for you. <laughs> no, this defense, it, again, it'll be improved. The team is getting better, but how much longer are they going to wait with Scott Frost? They fired Bo Pelini because he couldn't do anything but go nine and three, but they haven't done that since. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I would just say with this game, just don't get caught sleeping because of where it's at yep, on the just schedule. Go out here, run the ball, wake up, and then just, you know, finish off because Nebraska and Scott Frost, especially, would love nothing more than to ruin this season. What's the spread here? It's on the road, uh, Michigan by 11 and a half. Ooh, we share it. That's exactly the number I it's, had. It, it's going to uh, double digit seems right, it, but just like nothing too big on the road after, after, after yeah, Wisconsin. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll be two touchdowns. Michigan's talent takes over later in the game, but if Martinez just gives them fits, I mean, we'll see. This would be one that I really wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to touch the over-under, whatever it ends up being, because I, I I just don't know. On the road, Martinez could have a big game. Glad but. Don Brown's not here. He always struggled against a versatile quarterback like this, unless for whatever reason it was Trace McSorley in 2016, which still baffles me. But, yeah, so this yeah. is a game. I'm glad he's not there. Adrian Martinez, congratulations on your ninth year of eligibility. <laughs> yes. uh, so we're not going to do full-on predictions yet, not till the end, not till right before the season. But where do you see Michigan kind of sitting after, you know, now we're about halfway through the season. Where would you imagine that this team five sits? And one. Five and one sounds right. I agree with you. I think it's five it's like, and one. How good are we going to feel if this team is five and one halfway through? I mean, I feel like it'll probably be a nine and three, eight and four type of team. And then, uh, yeah, I'll feel pretty solid about that. It'll be fun to watch. I've had a lot of fun watching. Eight All right. Teams. Now, what's that segue? Oh, boy. The man just unfurled <laughs> a charter. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't see him, but he has been working on the Sermon of Bailey, the, the Sermon of Optimism for the last week and a half. And he is going to grace us all with why we should be optimistic about this season. He's going to try and persuade I, me. I, I actually, really want I mean, you on my side here because I just need you drinking this Kool-Aid with me, especially if I'm going to buy you a Michigan-Ohio State ticket. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> things just got a little saucy, <laughs> did they not? All right, I, I'm ready for it, man. You know I'm already starting to lean your way, but I've also been watching last year's tape. And All it's right, so I'm going to first, I'm going to lead off with a position positional breakdown just by each one, just a little, little here and there about it. And then by the end, I'm going to get into Harbaugh and the coaches and just my overall thoughts. It'll be, it won't I be that long. Wait. Don't worry about that. All right. Father Bailey is at the pulpit. <laughs> All right. Positionally, starting with quarterback, Joe Milton was abjectly terrible last season. Go back and watch. The man Bad. has less confidence than a seventh grader at a Sadie Hawkins dance. Cade McNamara was a third string quarterback who gained valuable experience. This feels like 2017, but now you have something to build off of. And he doesn't need to win games. He really just has to not lose them. Like, he just needs to be supercharged Wilton Spate. Look at Wilton Spate's numbers from the first half of 16. It's kind of frightening how, like, prolific he was. But we just needed to be supercharged Wilton Spate or just a game manager. He protected the ball last year when he was in there, and that was fine. 
the reason we don't need him to win games is because of our backfield. Oh my God. <laughs> it is loaded with talent. So first off, Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards is in. So you have two of your three guys from last season with experience. And then you have the freshman Tavier Dunlap, who's now up to 222 pounds and averaged 10 yards a carry in high school in Texas. You have those two added back there for depth. So that is very exciting news for this team. Prob the it's one of the lo- most loaded backfields Michigan's ever had. Uh, I mean, I can't remember too far back into the nineties, but I mean, yeah, some of those guys shared rosters like uh, Wheatley and um, Wheatley and Thomas. This, this one, two of Haskins quorum could be deadly. Yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely with you there. And uh, my pushback on that would be, you have to use them right. You, I don't want to see like, all right, well, we gave a series to Haskins. That was pretty good. Series to Corum. He broke one there. That was really nice. Let's give a series to Correct. Edwards. I don't want to see that. If Haskins comes out and he busts one for six, seven, over 10 yards, let's let him get into a rhythm a little bit and let him get a couple series. And then you bring Corum in. It's like, oh, what's this guy? I just want to see him used a little better. I know you've got a lot of depth back there. I know Donovan Edwards is going to want to see the field but it's going to be a long season if we get all 12 Correct. games. So you'll get your chance. Like, save him for a little bit later in the season. Yep. Okay, I'm with the you. Rushing the rushing and Josh Gattis saying all the right things. We need to run the ball. And moving to receiver, staying on the offense, this is speed and space actualized. Three of the top four come back. Wow. Lose Giles Jackson. He's in Washington. But the plethora of weapons here, the Ronnie Bells, Cornelius Johnson, Mikey Sainerstill, Roman Wilson, A.J. Henning, Andrew Anthony, Dalen Baldwin, the transfer nobody is talking about, but Josh Gaddis brought here for a reason, and you think he spent his last year of eligibility to sit out? No. This guy came here to play. A 6'2 weapon, formerly on some smaller schools. He's a sleeper this year. Keep your eyes out for that. Very sure-handed and grew up an Ohio State fan. So Gross. it's kind of fun to bring him back to the light. Yeah. Offensive line. This is going to be the season, okay, offensively. Every starter on this team has experience last year. Four or five played extensively, and this unit was just not good in 2020. And I hate to break it. It could be Ed Werner. Not many great coaches take a a regressive step to be a run game coordinator at Florida Atlantic after success in the Big Ten. That's that's an interesting point. I mean, we really sang his praises pretty loudly and, and truly for a long time, and I mean, he's the reason that we brought ourselves out of the Brady Hope doldrums. So I'm not here to disparage Ed Werner too much, especially last year when we're not, we're given a lot of passes all around. I'm just saying that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a demotion, um, but we're given, is... we're given a lot of passes all the way around there. And we don't know what we're getting with Sharon Moore, the new offensive line coach. So we don't, but we have a quote from Ryan Hayes that Sharon Moore is a coach you want to go to war with. Okay. I mean, I absolutely love that. You didn't hear guys talk too much about Werner in that regard, just that he knew his stuff. That's Which that's you- what you heard. So Sharon Moore was kept for a reason and assigned offensive line, I believe the most important position group individually to coach for a reason as well. So I think that bodes well for an improvement on this line for this coming season. I, uh, I'm with you on a lot of what you said. Um, we'll start with uh, the wide receivers there. Ronnie Bell, I think, is going to have a big season. I think he's going to have more touchdowns than he's had in any season, probably in all of his other seasons combined with his lack of touchdowns, which usually, I mean, they're just complete bad luck. So I think you're going to have improvement there. Cornelius Johnson, I've been pretty high on. Um, He's Nico Collins light. 
light, like not light. De- yeah, definitely light. light. Um, but then it's the other guys that there's a big chance for someone to pop between Roman Wilson, AJ Henning and, and Baldwin. Uh, that's very interesting. I'll be keeping my eyes on that as well. So plenty of talent there. I want to see who Cade Mack um, develops that chemistry with that Ronnie Bell catch over Dax Hills got me, got me excited. No doubt about that. And then offensive line. I think the one thing that you didn't touch on that has me the most excited is that, uh, it was, I believe it was Gaddis who came out and said that Zach Zinter is the most talented player on the offense. And this is yep. a guy, you you and I have gone back and forth between Barnhart and Zinter. And I think Barnhart was your guy and Zinter was my guy. Yes. And I believe so. And uh, both of both them. Both are going to start now. Both are going to start. And yeah, it sounds like Zinter, um, when he was recruited, I said he is the next Ben Bredesen. And that looks like it's going to be true. And that's got to make that that's exciting to have a guy like Bredesen or Mason Cole that can play all over the line. And they're, they feel that good about him, that he's the most talented guy on the line. And he's going to be playing on the inside because we felt good about our tackles and Stuber and Hayes. Right. But we were like, well, we'll see on the inside. Yep, Do we know so- where Zinter is going to start yet? Center. Oh, see, and that's your most talented player starting at center. There's a good reason for optimism. I like that. That's that was my last point. Thank you for that. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> great minds, my what, friend. This is why you're here. Also, Chuck Filiaga is not starting or not projected to. So not that's projected good, to start, but good depth. That is good depth. And Ryan Hayes is healthy at left tackle, which is huge. So this offensive line has experience, kind of trial by fire last season. So you'd like to think that other teams, right? We're bringing four or five back. We're also bringing five guys back with experience. So something to lean on a little bit. Absolutely. On rewatch, Stuber was not as strong as you and I initially thought he was, but last year was just a really bad year all around. We spoke as well. I think he struggles more at guard than he did tackle. Yeah, yeah. I'll need to watch a little bit more tape. I mean, it, it gets tough with how much things shifted last year. I mean, guys were all over the place, and we don't have the full tape to watch. It's hard to keep track of who's on the line. Yeah, the continuity was a big issue last season. Like you just, you could never get your rhythm, never get your chemistry with the man next to you. Everything was always changing. So again, it's like, how much stock can I put into this when you're playing with a new guy next to you every week? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that that probably is the number one reason for optimism is the returning cohesion on the offensive line, a returning quarterback with options. You know, we were just talking about Nebraska. Does he have the help? You got a quarterback, but does he have the help? And I'm not saying that Cade Mack is more talented than Adrian Martinez. I don't think he's better than Graham Mertz yet. I need to see more. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. We can't make that. Can't say it yet. But does he have the tools to be that? Absolutely. Absolutely. He was our third string quarterback coming into last season. He never should have played. No, no. We weren't expecting him to play. And now he seems to have absolutely grabbed this thing by the horns uh, going into the season. So, yeah. All right. I'll buy you. I'll buy you on offense. Sell me on defense. Last one on off. Last one on oh, offense. You got one more. Okay. Tight ends. We've seen Eric All's floor. He can't be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Amen, Amen. Amen. It's going to be a very interesting group. And yes, relying a lot about Mike McDonald and the scheme changes he's bringing to Michigan. But moreover, the offseason coaching hires were made for a culture change above all. There was something rotten in this team last year, and it fell apart fast and spiraled. You listen to Clink uh, Scale on Podcast Talk. He says his most important thing is making connections with the men. Like That's what he relies on, the relationships, holding accountability to each other. Not the wins, the losses, and the football. It's about the relationships. A lot of youth was brought in to connect to the players as well. So I think that 
the culture change is the biggest issue. You wouldn't have seen such an overhaul if it were just X's and O's. Look at 17. You got rid of Drevno and a couple people, but then you brought in Gaddis and you, you know, kept the wheels spinning. Something was really wrong inside the program, and I think Harbaugh has sought to exercise that. Now, go ahead. We've heard that every year. That's all. We've heard every yeah. year from one player saying there's a different vibe around this team. That's all. It's, it's, that's a true point, but we've never seen the vibe carry such coaching weight before. Like how many people lost their jobs last season? We've never seen that kind of overall. You don't see that in many major programs ever. Because major programs so, are, are usually doing pretty well. <laughs> I mean, you see it in Alabama. Unless you're because, Nebraska or Texas or schools like that. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So, all right. To Harbaugh. He's only had back-to-back losing seasons once in his career, and that's when he began coaching. Last, I, this is all my whole point of last season being an aberration. And that was when Stanford was abysmal, like in the dumpster, like not winning games, maybe one game a year, bottom of the Pac-12 or Pac-10 at that time. So Harbaugh went 8-4 and four with Spate, O'Corn, and Brandon Peters at the helm, or Brandon Peters on one leg. So that also gives me optimism with a healthy Cade McNamara. The 2020 team, I've told you this off air, felt like the 2017 team without an elite defense. Just offensive ineptitude. The John O'Corn, like, was it like eight for 20 games or whatever Gross. it was? Just bad games, but he didn't have the defense to back him up, so it didn't stand out as much. And last season, you had to deal with injuries, opt-outs, limited coaching, and a pandemic-adjusted season. You didn't have player-led practices in the spring. You didn't have summer practices. You didn't have fall practices. And when you finally got together, everything was so rushed. You did not have time to settle in. No bonding. You don't get to see your families. The mental health of college kids is already poor enough. So now you're just isolating everybody on this team and saying, hey, you know, enjoy college, but don't enjoy college at all. Enjoy your dorm room. So I think all of that factors into just kind of looking at last season is, like I said, an aberration. And let me, let me finish. Why don't you get in there? After all that, after all that, except for Minnesota, Michigan was in every game except Wisconsin in the fourth quarter. They're within a possession or two of changing things around with the ball, throwing an interception, making another costly mistake. So even as bad as Michigan played last year, there's a, a world not too far distant from this one that they're five and one last year and Don Brown's still there and it's tough. So the lessons we learned from struggling in those games paid off. Every projected starter on this team in 2021 has playing experience. We've never had that at Michigan that I can remember. Every projected starter has played extensive time at Michigan. That makes me feel really good about this. And I think eight and four is the very bottom of the barrel for this team with their talent, experience, staff changes coming in the 2021. Amen. You may now lift your heads. <laughs> All right. Lot to unpack there. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I mean, you, you came at it in a way and nothing you said was false. Uh, you kind of skipped over the Vincent Gray part. Um, he, I said he could be cornerback three. He could he could be cornerback three if you have a good pass rush. Okay. Yeah, he, he could be quarter. He was a decent. I mean, he's 6'2", and he played a good slot corner two years ago, which is crazy. Yeah, two years ago, he was much better. It looked like he was maybe the next big thing, but he was rough last year. Uh, Jamon Green looked like he came on a little bit. Uh, I agree. That's a very good point that the best thing about last year is that we got rid of Don Brown because if we were bringing him back this year with that personnel, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we, it was very close to being a five in one season. It's like, you get all these losses, you get all this overhaul, which just expands on all the problems internally and blows them up. 
magnifies them. It's like, all right, we have to change something. So that has me feeling optimistic. I just can't help but see last year as an aberration when that year with Spate, O'Corn, and Peters, we still found a way to go eight and four. And you and I talked about that season, how wacky that one was with the monsoon Michigan State game, Brandon Peters getting hurt like against Wisconsin, stuff like that. Jim Harbaugh has, has never entered Ohio State with more than three losses. He's only done it one time with three. I'm with you. The other thing that I want to push back on that you said is that he's never had a losing season, back-to-back losing seasons. Except for Stanford first time. Except for Stanford first time. The bar here is not a winning season. That would be my pushback to that. The bar is not a winning season. The bar, I mean, depending on who you talk to, is you need to beat both rivals this year. Um, the bar for you and I, what we're I mean, look, I'm not saying whether or not I agree with that. Ohio State's, yeah. gonna, I mean, if you're going to get him, this is the year to get him with a it. new quarterback, but we'll freaking see. But I think that the bar needs to be a little higher. I think that it should be nine to 10 wins. I think that's what we should be aiming for. And that's what we should consider a successful season. Eight and four isn't going to excite anybody. And that's what you and I are kind of thinking. And uh, I'll put the floor at seven and five instead of eight and four. I don't think that'll happen but we're putting a lot on Josh Gaddis actually being good at his job. And we don't yet know if Josh Gaddis is good at his job. We think he's good at his job, but we don't if know. Michigan that goes, if Michigan goes seven and five though, what are those five losses? Uh, that would be Washington. That would be Wisconsin. That would be Penn state. That would be Ohio state. And that'd be the bowl game. I'm not counting bowl games, not counting the bowl games. Okay. Then, Oh yeah. Good point. Cause then it'd be, yeah, yeah it'd be it'd seven be, yeah. and six or whatever. Exactly. Uh, so then that would mean that it's somebody that we shouldn't lose to. So I, I just can't see this team losing to Indiana, Northwestern, Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska, Western, or Northern Illinois. I mean, if we're going that, that means it's disaster. So it's probably Michigan State, and then it's fire everyone. If, if, if it's Michigan State, it's adios. It's adios. Fire everyone into the sun. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think eight and four might really not sit too well with some people. Eight and four should be acceptable. After going two and four last year, eight and four in building, yeah, that should be okay. Should be okay. It should be okay, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know. If we get absolutely trounced in those losses and Ohio State absolutely beats the brakes off us with a freshman quarterback, I mean, the, the, that would it's hurt. hard to predict the will of the fan base. And uh, you and I, I mean, it'll be hard to – how are we going to be feeling if we see Ohio State steamroll us again by 30? I think that's the worst part of all of this is I think the program, especially in 19 and 18, has overlooked how like good it was because of those blowout losses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, you've got me optimistic, but optimistic to the point that I kind of already was. And yeah, that so it, the floor has to be eight and four, though. Yeah, like, yeah, I think I think you're right. If the floor is eight and four and then we're trying to see maybe can we scrounge together two more wins to get to 10 and two, like 10 and two. I don't care where you're at. That's a good season. Yeah, I think that's where, realistically where they could be. Like, it'll be decided. I think they'll get Washington, and it's like you have to split uh, Penn State and Wisconsin. Yep. And then you enter Ohio State last week of the season, 10-1. and one. Yep, and with a chance to, to make some noise. At least you're part of the conversation at the end of the year. Exactly, and that changes everything. And not to mention that realistically 20 of 22 starters, save Hutch and Dax, could all come back. Absolutely. No, no. I mean, they definitely could. I don't think, yeah, Hutch and Dax probably not happen. Um, there's going to be some other guys. Ronnie Bell could come back. That'd be awesome. I think he will. It's six foot undersized. Like, oh, yeah, he's going to come back. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, hopefully he has a big year. But all right. That was a, a lovely sermon. 
Today. Thank you. Don't let your Penn State fans off the hook. They get a B back and we just sit here in mediocrity. That's such BS. It's true. It's true. Why are Penn State fans so optimistic after one and five or one and six? One and six? Yeah, something like that. You have Sean Clifford with his third OC in three yeah. years. Why? Yeah, that's a good point. That's your, You should have just said that. Why does Penn State get to be optimistic? You got okay. They're ranked rank like 17th. Texas 20th. is 19th with a new, Yeah, like, come on. Yeah. Like, get, like, I hate right. that. Oh, Michigan's going to win four. Shut up. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm with you. Your last point was your best point. <laughs> Why you, do you get to be optimistic <laughs> if we don't? Exactly. Like, just have fun. Enjoy the season. Absolutely. Yeah, guys, take it easy on the comments. Try to find some joy in this season because you're going to feel really dumb if we start out 5-0. and You're going to be like, wow, I was kind of a, you know, a hater uh, when I didn't want to give this team any sort of love when there are some reasons to be optimistic. I, I absolutely agree with you. I'm more sold on the offense than the defense, though. And I just really feel like Michigan, when our defense is stout, that's when we're at our best. But it's when they're at their best. But if Michigan's offense is electric and we're just in shootouts week in and week Fine. out, it's going to be a hell of a season. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to lose some hair, but whatever. <laughs> It'd be a good time. But yeah, you want to be optimistic. You don't want to be a negative fan that's vindicated when the team loses. That's just a miserable existence. Go outside. You want to be optimistic and support your team. So get on the train. Let's pump this thing going. It's August. Like, come on, let's get it rolling. Let's go. All right. This is your absolute minister of culture moving forward. Andy Bailey, the, the pastor, Father Bailey. <laughs> this is why I'm here, guys. Come find me at the tailgate this season. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue tonight. Thank you for stopping by. Make sure that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether that is Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. Follow us on Twitter at Mason Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. We'd like to remind you that especially when it is football season, go blue.